what was once known as the Paris of the North, Warsaw was largely flattened during World War II and suffered under Soviet rule after that. Today, Poland's capital city is thriving and scoring high marks for livability. Visitors to Warsaw will find a dynamic vibe and plenty of culture, history, and attractions. Polish guide Beata McComas and Cameron Hewitt, who's the co-author of the Rick Steves Eastern Europe Guidebook, have joined us in our studio to get us up to date on Warsaw and take your questions about Poland's largest city. Beata, Cameron, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. So, Beata, you've been taking uh, groups to the capital of your country many, many times. What's special about Warsaw? Why, why should we include that in our Poland vacation? Well, for one, it's our capital. And I believe uh, if you visit a country for the first time, it's a really good idea to start uh, with a capital city. And the second, not only it's the biggest city, but I think is the city that shows you the changes that a whole country went through uh, from the past where we had kings and queens through the communist era, now through the capitalism. And that city in particular is um, it's a great example of what happened over the period of uh, a thousand years in this part of Europe. So you can read the sweep of Polish history right there in Warsaw in so many ways. Right. Cameron, when I was there, I found it surprising. I, I expected a big and oppressive and kind of gloomy city, but that's sort of uh, yesterday's Warsaw. Yeah, you find a little of everything in Warsaw. I think when I first was traveling there 20 years ago, it was a pretty gloomy, oppressive city. But um, over the years, uh, pockets of life have sprouted kind of among the gloom, and uh, there's so much to it. There's the, the beautifully reconstructed historic old town that goes back to the glory days of the kings and queens that Beata was mentioning. Um, and then you've got areas that were destroyed completely bombed flat in World War II and rebuilt in kind of a drab and ugly communist style. Uh, but then you also have these really uh, striking new glass and steel skyscraper zones that are sprouting right next to some of these, you know, formerly dilapidated World War II damaged areas. Um, and then mixed into all of it is it's a very cosmopolitan, trendy world capital city. There's just a great food scene. People are very fashionably dressed. There's a lot of business. There's a lot of government. So there's kind of an urban vitality to it. You know, when I go there, I'm, I'm aware that Warsaw was literally flattened in World War II, but you, you get a sense that it was an elegant, thriving place between the wars, and they've resurrected or saved a little bit of that. Don't you find a little bit of that elegance that somehow they've rebuilt and it works? Absolutely. They've, they've had to rebuild it because, as you said, Hitler was, was furious at, at Warsaw for a couple of uprisings, and he, he had the whole city destroyed systematically block by block. But they did take the, the time to recreate some beautiful areas, especially in the center. Um, there is one place, for example, though, there's, a, there's a, what used to be the arcade of an old palace in front of a beautiful garden. And the garden is still there and still very beautiful. But all that's left of the palace is just this arcade. And now it's a memorial to the Polish people who were lost fighting in wars. So it is pretty powerful. All the, all the suffering and the heartache and, and then at the same time, all the memorials and to remember those in Warsaw, they've done an amazing job of that. And then also this parts of the elegant past and, and a very modern future. So it's it's a city of, of the past and the future. Now, Beata, you grew up in Poland. In your youth, it was basically ruled by the Soviet Union. When you look at Warsaw today, what do you see that is a, a physical souvenir of those Soviet days when Warsaw was in the Warsaw Pact? Still the tallest building in Warsaw, the uh, Pałac of culture and science. The Palace of Culture and Science. That's the building that looks like one of those skyscrapers in uh, Moscow. Right. That's actually a twin building to the one in Moscow was given to us by Stalin right. as in a gesture of friendship. Really? But, but the local people didn't really think it was much of a gesture of friendship? 
No. <laughs> Despite what the regime wanted us to think about communism and Russia, yeah. um, we did not have a great, had great sympathy. Uh, we did not like the Russian government, the Russian country. So just the fact that they uh, built the building, it, it kind of became a symbol of oppression. So it just sticks up like a big phallus. Right. I mean, it even has, it even has a nickname. Yes, yes. It's a gift from Stalin. Right. Called... Stalin. Stalin's penis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so people of Warsaw just look at this thing and they think of Stalin and not much of a gift. But today, uh, the, that's ancient history. Right. For and uh, after 1989, after the fall of communism in Poland, for a couple of decades, we were uh, we, the the government of Poland and the government of Warsaw was thinking about well, what should we do with this building? Should we build some skyscrapers higher than the building? surrounding that one mm-hmm. uh, to cover it up. Um, but within the last decade, I feel like we made a peace with our communist past mm-hmm. um, to the point where now we um, we take ownership, not all, only of that one particular building, but what happened during the communist past. And um, the building just started being uh, cleaned up. So we started off with the, the, the viewing balcony on the 30th floor. Um, and then we, I'm assuming, will be moving forward. So so now we're owning that building. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Beata Makomis and Cameron Hewitt about Warsaw, the capital city of Poland. Cameron, I'm so impressed by how Warsaw has rebuilt its historic old center. I mean, you look at it, even the, even the defects in the buildings before the bombing damage were built up with the same defects so that you walk through there, and if you knew it was rebuilt, you'd know it's rebuilt. But if you didn't, you'd walk through and think, this is a nice medieval quarter. And you know how they did it. They actually used historical paintings. They went into the National Museum and the National Palace, and there are several places in Warsaw where you can see a replica of a painting positioned exactly facing the street that was repaired using that painting. And if you compare, you can see that uh, that was the best record that restorers had. They didn't have architectural plans for a building that was 300 years old, but they could have a painting that showed what it looked like. And that includes the the Royal Castle, which is actually the top palace, right? Yes, Royal Castle. And I was going to say, there's uh, some great sightseeing to be done in Warsaw as well. And one of the great sites is the Royal Palace, is the historic uh, castle of the Polish kings. And you can tour the staterooms. You can see some of these original paintings, uh, historical paintings of Warsaw that were used to rebuild the city, other historical paintings. And it's a very, uh, as, as with any great European country's main palace, it's a very lavish palace with beautiful uh, furnishings and interesting sim- symbolism in all of the different details. Uh, it's really a, one of the, the better palaces I've toured. So the palace you'd want to see for a bit of the royal history. And then the National Museum really is the best collection anywhere of Polish art. And Beata, you would mentioned always go to the capital city when you visit a country. Well, for one reason, that's probably where the greatest art is. What, what do you take? What's your take on the National Museum? Um, I completely agree with you. But I don't want to take away anything from other museums that has been popping up this past 20 uh, plus years. Um, what are your favorites of those? We have a, I don't know if that's a correct word to say, very trendy mm-hmm. museum, like the Pauline Museum, Museum of Polish uh, Jews, the history mm-hmm. of over a thousand years. The Poland Museum, P-O-L-I-N. Correct. The Museum of History of Polish Jews. Okay, and what? why would there be a great museum about Jewish culture in Poland? I think many people don't realize that when it comes to Jews in Poland and our Jewish culture in Poland, that does not go only back to the beginning of the uh, 1900s. We have the history of this culture in Poland for over a thousand years. And at some point in 1600s, Poland was uh, a 
place a country with the uh, highest number of uh, people representing a Jewish community anywhere in the world. Is that right, in Poland? So within Europe, Poland certainly was a major center of Jewish culture. Yes, we became like their safe haven. Uh, They would uh, leave other countries to come to Poland and freely do their business and practice their religion. Centuries before Hitler. Right, about three, four uh, centuries before that, yes. So Cameron, I would think a lot of people sort of overlooked the fact that there was a long Polish history before we have the uh, tragedies of World War II and the Holocaust. That's right. There was a very long Jewish, very proud Jewish history. And what I love about this museum that you're mentioning, the Museum of the History of Polish Jews, honestly, it's my favorite historical museum anywhere in Europe. It's It's a quite new museum which uses beautiful modern techniques to tell the story, not just of the Holocaust, but of the entire tapestry of Polish culture going back to the Middle Ages when they first arrived and so forth. And I think a lot of visitors to Poland might overfocus on the tragedy of World War II, especially the Holocaust. But what I love about this museum is there's a very thoughtful and well-presented section on the Holocaust, but that's a very small part of a larger story of Jewish people who really thrived in Poland for many centuries. And I think that's important to give that that full look and celebration of Jewish culture, as well as to remember the tragedies of the Holocaust. And the Warsaw Uprising Museum is a completely different museum. Right. And I mean, I've got to say, think about Warsaw as like the Washington, D.C. of Poland. And just like in Washington, D.C., there's all sorts of museums covering all different topics. So that would be one of them, the Warsaw History Museum, sorry, the Warsaw Uprising Museum, Mm -hmm. um, which opened a few years before. Which is a very good museum. Excellent museum. Opened a few years before this Jewish museum we're talking about. Also uses very modern techniques to tell the story of this very uh, courageous uprising of the Polish people under Nazi occupation, uh, which was which was savagely uh, put down by Hitler. Mm. There's also a beautiful uh, science center, the Copernicus Science Center, uh, which is really a kid family oriented sort of place with a lot of hands on exhibits that teaches Polish kids, but also visiting kids from other countries about science. Um, they've recently refurbished the Chopin Museum. So if you want to learn about the great Polish composer Friedrich Chopin, there's an excellent museum about his life and his music. There's museums, uh, you know, if museums are an important part of your travels in Europe, uh, Warsaw is a great city for that. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with uh, Cameron Hewitt and Beata Makomas about Warsaw, the capital city of Poland, and uh, in a lot of ways the, uh, the very tourist-friendly and cute city of Krakow, which is very important historically, draws a lot more people. It's a little closer to the rest of Europe, but Warsaw is certainly worth a look when you are going to Poland. And uh, one thing I've enjoyed in Warsaw, Beata, is the Wazinski Park. You just walk through this park and you feel an elegance that's kind of timeless. That's... Well, by the way, that's the biggest park in Poland, 76 hectares big. So if you want to visit, you better have your walking shoes with you. And, it's a, and it goes back to the time of kings, doesn't it? Right. It's built by the kings. You've got yes. beautiful neoclassical architecture. Absolutely. It goes back to the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Łazienki in Polish means baths because there was a bath pavilion where the king would okay. bathe. Uh, but beside that pavilion, you also had... Uh, Orangery, which is a place where they would grow um, orange trees for king's use. You have a lake where you can uh, rent a boat and just uh, swim away. And you've got that beautiful statue of Chopin with concerts in the summer. Right. In the summer, you get free concerts. What can be better? And, of course, you have vendors on the outskirts of the, of the park. You have vendors where you can purchase uh, to-go uh, food and just grab it with you, uh, eat it while you listen to Chopin music. I forget where I was. I forget what park this is in. But I was sitting in a bench, and there's a button on the bench, and I can push the button and hear Chopin's music. Yes. 
That's actually uh, this this kind of bench is in several places. In, <laughs> That's so in, in, good. And then Cameron, I was in one hotel that you recommended to me, and the man's mission in life is to keep the charm and the culture of uh, salon music, chamber music, with, and celebrate Chopin at the same time. Describe that evening you can have at that hotel. Sure. That's the Chopin Boutique B&B, which is a beautiful location right in central Warsaw, and it's run by uh, Jadik, uh, who's a good friend of ours who's been running this place for 10 or 12 years. And he realized that all of these visitors were coming and learning about Warsaw and loving it, and they just didn't have a place to enjoy a Chopin concert. Five, ten years ago, there weren't a lot of opportunities for that other than these outdoor concerts in the summer. So he said, I'm going to fix that. So he turned one of uh, a, a beautiful kind of a salon on the ground floor of his hotel into a, a very elegant interwar-style drawing room from Poland's Golden Age. And every night, he invites a different performer to come and play a live piano concert. And all of the people who stay at that B&B or anyone from the community who wants to come, they all turn up. And it's not just a concert, because Yarek loves conversation, so he'll you know, bring out snacks and drinks and he'll introduce people to each other and try to get, you know, it's a very, it's a very uh, kind of a sophisticated but accessible, you know, side of Warsaw that any visitor can uh, experience. A, a salon, I went to that and it was so charming. I was supposed to be in my room doing all my uh, research work and my writing and I just couldn't stay away because this charmed me as the kind of elegant, cultured conviviality that must have been the norm in well-heeled circles all over Europe before there was TV and recorded music and so on. People would get together, somebody would play the piano, and people would talk. It's a beautiful thing. Our guides to Warsaw right now on Travel with Rick Steves are Polish-born Beata McComas and Cameron Hewitt, who's my co-author and researcher on the Rick Steves Eastern Europe Guidebook. We've been talking about the history of Warsaw and the the difficult history of Warsaw. Let's just finish off with each of your favorite look at something that's fresh and trendy and happening and lively today. Warsaw is a happening place in so many cases around here. We see this this new generation filled with creativity and energy. Uh, Beata, what would you uh, recommend somebody experience to see the energy, the positive energy of Warsaw today? Three places come to mind. One would be just on the banks of uh, Vistola River. They finished uh, this huge project. We're doing the whole uh, one side of the Vistola River. So a lot of young people, cafes, music, very safe place to go, close to the old part of the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, second would be um, Hala Koszyki, which is where you can get a food from all over the world. It is still an old um, market building with very young vibe. And the third one would be all the railway station uh, with a whole bunch of food trucks. So all, those All the railway stations or which? Just one, which, one old railway station. The old railway station. Yes, okay. and uh, with, uh, with food with trucks. Food trucks uh, yes, and uh, music at night. Nice. Cameron, can you give us the names of those places so we can remember it? Uh, well, the food hall, it's the Hala Koshiki. Hala Koshiki. On the river? The, just the Vistula Riverbank. Yeah. So, because when I went there years ago, the Vistula Riverbank just seemed abandoned. There was not much there, but now it's a lively people center. Well, and that's the story of Warsaw. I've been really mm-hmm. impressed. Every time I, I tend to go back every year or two uh, to work on our guidebook, mm-hmm. and and uh, every time I go back, I, I find out, oh, there's this whole new nightlife or outdoor uh, living scene that's going on. Recently, it was the riverbanks along the Vistula River. It used to be kind of a no man's land. It was even right. dangerous to go there after dark. 
on my most recent visit, everyone said, oh, no, they've they've turned it into a beautiful park yeah. and families are out. And sure enough. Um, it felt foreboding and dangerous to me that's years right. ago. Yeah. And then uh, I hope Beata didn't take all of your favorite No, there's one, I have one that's actually related. It's near the food hall she mentioned. But my favorite, and I think I really want to emphasize that it, people wonder, why would you go to Warsaw? Well, you go for great museums and this heavy history. But also, it's a really fun, lively modern contemporary city with a great food scene. Believe it or not, Warsaw has a wonderful budget food scene. If you're interested in really good restaurants for low prices, there are a few better places that you can go in Warsaw. And right near this food hall that's wonderful that Beata mentioned is a neighborhood called Schrodmischia, which literally means downtown. It's confusing. It's not actually downtown. It's Mm -hmm. south of of what we would call downtown. Uh, But in this area, there's this wonderful thriving food scene, and they have really international quality restaurants, in some cases Michelin star restaurants, that you can have a fantastic meal uh, for a fraction of the cost of what you would pay in London or Paris for comparable quality. And then there's also affordable budget options as well. So it's really a fun city to explore, but don't go looking for romantic, old world, cute Europe, there is a reconstructed old town, but it feels reconstructed and pretty touristy. Go for a contemporary, modern, exciting, thriving, vibrant city. Well, if you want the old world charm, take bus 116 from the Castle Square all the way to the end to Vilanov, to the the Baroque um, Palace that was not destroyed during either First or Second World War. And you'll get a little bit of that charm. I think I would get my old world charm in Krakow Mm -hmm. or in uh, Gdansk. Cameron Hewitt, Beata McComas. Actually, Beata, how do you say thank you in Polish? Dziękuję. Dziękuję. And how do you say happy travels? Bon voyage? Szczęśliwej podróży. Bon voyage. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Rick Steves. I love art. And in my new book, Europe's Top 100 Masterpieces, I share my favorites with gorgeous photos and vivid descriptions. It's a greatest hit sweep through art history via the finest paintings, sculpture, and architecture ever. It's all in Europe's top 100 masterpieces, art for the traveler. It's available now at ricksteves.com. <laughs>